You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're in training. Oh, folks, come on. We're in training. All right. Uh, Let me go over a brief review. I told the service last night, uh, I may next week pull somebody up to do the review for us. And there'll be cash and prizes involved. And if you win the cash and prizes, though, you have to give it to the impact campaign. But, but that's the only catch on that. But we uh, too often have been trying, and for too long, been trying to do some things that we should be what? We should be training to do. And again, we're reviewing, but review helps us in ways that, uh, just incredible ways to retain and to understand. Um, there are things, just think about in your own life. That you wouldn't want some people just trying it on you. Everything from haircuts to cooking. Come on. To surgery, to flying a plane that you're in. We want somebody that's trained. Church. Y'all here? We want somebody that's trained. And if they weren't trained and they were just nice, that doesn't work. Or if they were just trying, that doesn't work. We want somebody that is trained. And so that's why we're calling this in training. Now, our training has to do with spiritual disciplines. And we've, we've spent numerous weeks. This is week, what, week 13. And plus, we added on on some Wednesday nights to learn how to study the Bible, which is one of the disciplines. As we engage in the disciplines, something happens in us. And this is very, very important. What happens in us? We become more what? Happy. Stable fruitful and blessed. And don't get tired of hearing that because you're not going to get tired of being more happy, more stable, more fruitful, more blessed. And so we apply these disciplines in training. Now, what makes it training? You ready for this? What makes it training? One word starts with a C consistency. consistency. If, if there's not consistency, then it's not training. If it's not consistency, uh, it's not a discipline. You know, it's just something you did. And how many of you did something before you know, and bought all the stuff and then did it, but weren't consistent. Okay. Uh, we had a neighbor growing up. I mean, he had everything. He had weight bench. He had scuba gear. He had, I mean, he just all these things that he just kept going and he would do something, but he wouldn't consistently do it. But a discipline is something that you consistently do. If you're training in something, you consistently do it. Like I'm, I can't technically call myself a golfer. I sometimes golf. Okay. That's like some people I sometimes pray or I sometimes whatever. And so we want to make sure that this is consistent in our life because it will produce in us a greater measure, an increasing measure of being happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. This is not the goal though. This is part of the process. And and the next thing that happens in this is what? We become a blessing. I'm telling you what, that's where you start to really hit joy. That's where you tap into joy. When when you're starting to be a help and a blessing to somebody else, that's when joy really starts to to, um, be strong in your life. But the ultimate goal of all of this is what? Is to glorify God. And I pray that that is your prayer every day. God, use me today. God, I want to glorify you today. And we're not doing that for approval or acceptance with God. Okay. You're already accepted. 
I said, you're already accepted. You're already loved. This is a matter of fulfilling the fullness of what he has you here for. Notice that he saved you, but he left you here. And he's working in us. He's fixing us up. He wants to work not only in us, but he wants to work through us. And I'll tell you what, as that's going on, all of this takes place. We're better off for it. The kingdom of God is better off for it. And the people around you are better off for it. Amen. All right. We're going to continue on, excuse me, with something we started talking about last week. uh, And I'm actually going to speak this week and next week on this because of its importance as a spiritual discipline. And it is this. It is our words, our words. We read in James chapter three that there are great big ships and you can turn, the captain can turn that ship wherever he wants with a tiny rudder. And then we saw that there are large horses and the rider can turn that horse whichever way he wants to go uh, by a tiny bit and a bridle. And then we have our body representing our life and our life actually can be controlled by our words. And it uses the word tongue. So our, our tongue are representing our words, our speech, how we talk, the things that we say. And so we need to apply some discipline certainly to our words because of the importance of our words. Now, all the disciplines apply to this. And I want you to zero in on this with me for a moment. Um, your outcomes in life are largely determined by how you think, how you speak and what you do, how you think, how you speak and what you do. And you're going to have a lot of outcomes as a result of that. How many of you have ever had stinking thinking, stinking speaking, and then you acted weird and you got a bad outcome? Come on. Okay, good. Um, and then there's good outcomes that we've had too, because we were thinking, right? We were speaking, right? And we did the right thing and we get some outcomes. Those are the outcomes that you and I can control. There are other outcomes that we can't control, but guess what? We have to respond to them. How do we respond to them with how we think with how we speak and with what we do. And when we respond to outcomes that come into our life in the right way, guess what? We're shaping the outcome of that. And so it's very important. You can never let down on this. You can't let the world do the thinking for you, the speaking for you, and the deciding of actions for you. You have to decide and and monitor this as a discipline, how I think and how I speak and what I do. If you're with me so far, bob your head, do something. Okay. Good deal. So this is very important. And right in the middle of this are our words, and our words are very, very important. Listen to this in in, uh, James chapter 3. Verse five, reading from the message, it says a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. So your words can either accomplish nearly anything or they can destroy nearly anything. And so our words are very, very important. Words are very, very powerful. Now, last week, and we got on this and I was pretty fired up about this, how powerful our words are. And the worlds were framed by the word of God. Yes, Guess what? Your word, your world is framed by your words. Attitudes. What are attitudes? Frames of mind. What frames them? How is it expressed? Words. Words are so important. Spoken and unspoken. Words are just powerful. And I want you to get this concept because we'll talk about it this morning. Words are containers. 
Words are containers. What are your words containing? What are your words as carriers and containers? What are they delivering into relationships, situations, and so forth? What are your words saying? To, to, to put it in a literal sense here. So words are powerful. There are laws that we saw last week, the law of death and the law of life. And Proverbs tells us that the power, the law of life or death are in the power of what? Of the tongue. Death and life in the power of the tongue, the words that we speak. And we can speak life and success and good, or we can speak bad and failure and doom. And so we have to be very careful as a discipline how we use our words. Faith uh, is directly connected to our words. Uh, Romans tells us that faith speaks. And it says, and what does it say? So it's very important that we also see that faith has a spirit. And when you have a spirit, you're alive. It's the spirit that gives life. And the spirit of faith is we believe and therefore we we speak. What do we speak? We speak what we believe. And that's what gives your faith life. As long as it's just, just a thought, it's something internal, that's not the completion of faith. Even when you get born again, when you get born again, you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth. You confess with your mouth. There's a connection between your heart and your mouth. Come on, y'all. And that's for everybody, whether or not you use that in a positive sense or a negative sense. But our words are powerful and our words will give life to our hope. Our words will give life to our faith. And faith causes us to overcome and faith can change our, our world. Scripture says that he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he said. It says, so we may boldly say... The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can men do to me? So we're saying something. How many of you like that promise from God that I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you? Okay, don't speak contrary to that then. Well, I don't know. I I read on Time Magazine in the 60s he died. So what we have here, God said something. We choose to not only believe it, but then we also can speak it. And that's the spirit of faith. And it does you good. I'm telling you what, it does me good to say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, what basis does any one of us have to say that? Because he himself has said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I wish somebody was here at church this morning. All right. But all of that said, and faith causing us to overcome and our hope and our faith being strong and alive. Listen, listen to me, listen to me. It doesn't even matter. And it won't even work. So just give it up. If first of all, you're not properly using your other words, words that we speak to other people. So let's leave faith alone for a moment because otherwise faith isn't going to work anyway. Unless we get our words with one another in proper tense. Now, some people are just closet Christians and they think they'll change the world and they're rude to everybody else. And I'd say that that faith does not work. Let me build a little case for you here this morning. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, if I had such faith, if I had the brand of faith that I could move mountains, but yet I don't love other people. Let me just paraphrase. It doesn't even matter. 
It doesn't even matter. If you had this incredible, you know, mountain moving kind of faith, but yet you don't love other people. It doesn't even matter. In uh, James chapter 1 verse 26, it says, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. It's empty. It's, it's just no purpose and no power. The Message Bible says this kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. So what we have, let's watch this a little bit. We've got our words that are directly connected to our faith. But then Paul said, if you've got faith, even though the kind of faith that can move mountains, but yet you can't talk in, in the right way to other people, if you don't have love for other people, then this is nothing. It doesn't mean anything. So Paul connects all of this to love. To love. Everybody say love. Now, we read in, in uh, Galatians chapter 5 or 6 that faith works or faith is energized, activated, operates through what? Does anybody know? Love. So if I don't have love happening, then guess what? Faith is not going to be happening. Y'all smile or something. Y'all are making me feel like it. Okay. And so faith works through love. Well, part of faith working is words, but also faith to work. There must be love. First Corinthians tells us this, that love is patient and love is what? Kind. Kind. And that's where I want to zero in on this morning. Love is patient and love is what? Say it again. It is kind. And so follow me, if you will, then kindness needs to be in our words. Our words need to be kind. And remember a few minutes ago, I told you that your words were carriers. Guess what our words should carry? Kindness. You say, well, my words carry love and my words carry faith. Don't even tell me that if your words don't also carry kindness. Kindness. Let's zero in on this just for a moment. In Proverbs 31, and let me set this up this way. Last week I told you that there were a couple of laws, the law of death and the law of life. Let me give you another law here. Proverbs 31 verse 26, it says, uh, speaking of the virtuous woman, it says she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of, help me. The law of kindness, the law of kindness. Go ahead and say that the law of kindness. It's a law of kindness. The message Bible brings it out this way. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say. And she always says it kindly. I want to read that again. When she speaks, she always has something worthwhile to say. And she always says it kindly. Kindness is huge. Proverbs tells us that what is desired in a man is kindness. The Hebrew right there actually points to this idea that it's what is attractive or desirable about a person is kindness. Um, I know this is kind of my case here too, but how many of you sometimes see a guy and he's just kind of average Joe? But his wife or his girlfriend is gorgeous. Come on. And, and we say, how did he get her? I get asked that a lot. Okay. But how did he get her? 
you know, and maybe they're not the athlete or they're not rich or they're not this or that or whatever else. How did he, average Joe, get her? Answer it for me. Kindness. Kindness. There's a couple leaving church last night and, and the guy shook my hand and goes, I'm average Joe. <laughs> I thought it, I didn't say it. I said, I see that. <laughs> Kindness. Kindness is more to be desired than a whole lot of other things. Because, you know, if they're not, well, we'll just keep going here. Galatians talks about the fruit of the spirit. One of them is kindness. It's also translated gentleness. A major New Testament theme repeated and emphasized so that we shouldn't miss the point is kindness. Kindness. Kindness shows up first and often best in our words. Now it has to be followed by deeds. Now you can't just talk a kind game and then you don't follow up on it. It has to be followed up by deeds. But kindness shows up first And often best in our words. In Colossians, and remember our words are containers. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. It says, let your speech, say my speech. Let your speech, your words, always, emphasize that with me, always, always be with grace. It's a container. It's going to carry grace. Seasoned with salt. It's kind of a metaphor there. It's flavored just right. Your speech, your conversation, your words are flavored in the right way with salt, uh, you know, as if, you know, that was how you wanted to season the food. You want your words to be seasoned with grace that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And so always for whatever the answer is, however, I need to answer somebody that still needs to be with some kindness and with some grace. Can you say amen? In Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Now I'm going to stop there first and then we'll finish the verse in a moment. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Look at me, church. That's a given. That is a given. That should be, and let's just get a a quick list of corrupt speech, lying, gossiping, complaining, rumoring, murmuring. Griping, cursing, angry outbursts, coarse jesting, it goes on and on. Yet the television that we watch and the movies that we watch are constantly promoting in a tone, a certain tone, corrupt communication in form that we'll laugh at it. And we'll hear something and and sometimes you'll hear things and it strikes you funny, but we've got to understand that is corrupt communication and it will do what it will corrupt it will corrupt and if it corrupts then and i use that then i'm destroying this discipline of my words which is going to have a direct impact on your happiness stability fruitfulness and being blessed directly and you and you may say well you know i just want to tell them what i think Well, you need to be careful because your words are containers and it's okay to tell somebody the truth. It's okay to be straight with somebody. Ephesians tells us speaking the truth in love. Love is the license to actually be straight with somebody. If you don't love them, you just need to hush up about it. And love wants the best for them. Love wants something good to come, come out of this. 
So this does not mean that our words have all got to be just kind and whatever, you know, and they run over you and you're just like, uh, Jesus loves you and I do too. And butterflies and have a great day. No, that's fake. That's fake. So there's, there's a way to do it, but still your words are always, however you answer somebody is still to contain. It's to be seasoned as it were. It's to be, it's to contain grace. Back to Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Do you see that? Necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. Again, your words are containers. Necessary edification. Do you know what that means? Edification means to build up. Necessary means it's vital. Guess what? All of us need to be built up. I said all of us need to be built up. Husbands and wives, you each need to be built up. Parents and children, brothers and sisters, friends, neighbors, co-workers, strangers. We all need, because guess what happens in the world? Nobody out there is really building you up. Come on. Nobody's out there really building you up and everybody's just out for their own and out for your own too. And so what we've got to be aware of is part of our role of being salt and light in the earth. Our part of our role of being the body of Christ in the earth and representing him and making life better for ourselves and for others involves that we speak in the right way. And as part of our goal, I want to build you up. I want to build you up. I want to build you up. I want to build you up instead of just tearing down. We'll get to more of that in just a moment. The message Bible says, say only what helps each word is a gift. The end of that verse, it says your words are to impart grace to the hearers, to the hearers. Let it be that when we speak our words, that they leave something good with folks. There's a recent study that says that chances are that three out of 10 people, three out of 10 people that you're going to run into on a daily basis are dealing with some level of being brokenhearted. Three out of 10 are brokenhearted about something. They've got some family situation, something's happened with their kids, their health, whatever it would be. And they're brokenhearted about something. And so we, as the body of Christ, as Christians, carrying him, being his hands, his feet, are to carry something good to other people. And maybe we can help to lift them up. We can't fix all their problems, but maybe we can lift them up a little bit. All right. I want to give you a couple practical things here just in the next few moments of ways that we can do this. First of all, add value. This is a spiritual discipline. So what we want to do with our words, how many of you could be pretty quick at a comeback? How many of you could slice and dice with your words? Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm like Olympic level on this. Could be. If it were not for a spiritual discipline. And sometimes, how many of you think some things that you're glad you didn't say that? Okay. We'll work on that later. Okay. How you think, how you speak, what you do. Okay. Well, what we got to do right now is plug the leak. Okay. We got to, we got to stop it there. We'll work on the inside a little bit, a little bit more as we go, but we've got to add value. And let me say this, especially to children. You want Jesus ticked off, hurt one of the little ones. He said, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and you'd be cast into a big old deep hot lake than to hurt one of these little ones. 
All of us, all of us have a responsibility to add value to little ones. You hear me? And all of us have had things said to us as little ones. By other little ones. By parents, by coaches, by teachers, by strangers or whatever. That have hurt us in some way. Or that have helped us in some way. You today, listen to me. You today, even some of your body image thoughts that you have. Go back to things that were said to you. Some of your ability confidence goes back to things that were said to you. Negative or positive. We have to add value. I took my wife. Uh, her, her birthday was Wednesday. This past Wednesday. So I decided that we would call the whole week Alicia Fest. So we did Alicia Fest all week. She's talking to me about possibly extending uh, Alicia Fest. And I don't know. We'll have to talk about that at lunch today. But uh, So on Monday, I took her to see a movie. She'd already seen it. But she said, I think you would really like it. And I'm not up here promoting movies or whatever. But I, I went and saw a movie. And, and I think it's a very important work. It had a couple of little language things in there. But also, I heard that there's a couple of language things where you work. And... and sometimes where you live, but i um, able to kind of sort it out. And it was called The Help. And uh, I would recommend it, just an important, important movie. And there's a place in the movie, and it just touched me, and I'm sorry, but I cried. And it, and it just spoke to me at this point. And the housekeeper, the nanny, gets down with this little girl, and the snotty white mama hardly has anything to do with the child and every day this nanny gets in the face of this little girl and says you is smart and you is kind and you is important and every day she's told that that you is smart and you is kind and you is important and I tell you what that just punched me good that we need to on a daily basis, add value, add value, tell our kids that they're important. Tell them you're gifted. Tell them that they're beautiful. Tell them that they're loved. Tell them we've got to tell them you have to add value. Your words are the containers. Sometimes you just want to buy them something. Buying something doesn't contain buying stuff gets lost, broken, stolen, rusted, whatever. But words, everybody say words, we use our words and we add value to other people, not flattery. Flattery is insincere. Flattery is false value. Proverbs tells us eventually flattery works ruin. Second thing, put courage in, put courage in. There's a word called encourage. What does that mean? To put courage in. There's another word, discourage. What does that mean? It's to take courage out. You should always put courage in. You should never take courage out of a person. You know, if you're you're to cheer people on. Come on. Cheer me on. (laughs) No, no. No, no. Okay, thank you. Because I'm trying to cheer you on. I'm trying to put courage in you. Never. Take courage out of somebody. You know, if you're standing there watching a runner run the last stretch of a race, you should be telling them, come on, now's the time you work for this. Do it, do it, do it. What if you see they're not going to win? Dude, this was a waste. Gosh. 
At least you get some Gatorade. (laughs) No, don't do that. At least tell them, you're doing good. I'm so proud of you. But never take courage out. Always put courage in. And you know what? You can do that to a total stranger. I've started doing this at restaurants now. That when you're paying the bill and they bring the little thing back to you at the very end, I will look at them and I'll tell them, good job. Good job. And sometimes that's a little marginal. But what is rewarded gets repeated. So if I can encourage them where they're at, you know, good job. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of us today. You know, there's so many ways that we can do this. Here's another one. Build up or hush up. Build up or hush up. Listen to me. Tearing down is devil's work. Tearing down is devil's work. So we are to build up, edify, or just hush up. How many of you know that might mean it's going to be quiet around your house for a few days here? Okay. Till we, till we learn this discipline here. But we got to build up. And you know, sometimes you, you, we, we just talked about it. We admitted it. We think of some things. And I'll tell you what, I could... Build up, build up or hush up. Good friend of ours in the ministry, uh, Keith Moore, he said this. Anytime you seek to shame someone, you have left the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we build up or we hush up. Here's another one. It's not just what you say, but it's, it's how you say it. Not just what you say, but how you say it. That's the law of kindness. What you have to say is worthwhile and you always say it kindly. How many of you remember the, the TV show Andy Griffith? How many of you remember the character Ernest T. Bass? Okay, love Ernest T. Uh, Believe it or not, he was only on six episodes. And what a mark that he left. He was actually one of the writers. But Ernest T. lived out in the woods, hung out with raccoons and stuff, would come into town every now and then and break windows throwing rocks. Swing on the flagpole and just was a crazy guy with no manners or no couth at all. And uh, I'll never forget that Andy and Barney... uh, Got Ernest T. They were trying to teach him table manners, trying to take him to a nice dinner. Do you remember that at Miss Wiley's house? And so they're training him and telling him what to say. And he's like, all right, Ernest, try it again. Good evening, Mrs. Wiley. <laughs> now, I had all the right words in the written transcript. Looks good. Good evening, Mrs. Wiley. But good evening, Mrs. Wiley. You know, and I think sometimes... We try to say the right things. It's not just saying the right things. It's how you say it. I've been caught on this a couple of times. And I've been good at it really for years now. But I remember a number of years back that, that uh, and my wife and I, every time we hang up on the phone from each other, we'll say, I love you. And when we part each other's company, and I'm not talking about get up to leave the room, but, you know, like I'm going somewhere, she's going somewhere, we'll say, I love you. And uh, I was on the phone. And this is years, years ago. And, and, uh, she said, all right, well, I love you. And I went, yeah, I love you. And she goes, excuse me. Um, what I was getting ready to say was, man, I love you, you know? And so we got to be careful. We don't just say the right thing. Words are containers, put something in those words and make sure we're using those words in the right way. And then lastly, let me give you this. And then I'm going to kind of wrap this up here this morning. No excuses. Everybody say no excuses, no excuses for what? No excuses that we can't have some kindness in our words. The apostle Paul, let me read this to you real quick. Second Corinthians six, 
verse three, it says, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and have gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, and our what? Our kindness. I want you to notice this here real quick. They've been beaten. They've been mocked. They'd faced angry mobs. They'd been thrown into prison for nothing, really. They were sleepless. Now, this gets into my zone here, okay? Sleepless and foodless. How many of you know that's a right to be grumpy with anybody? When we're doing without sleep and doing without food. But Paul said, you know what? In all of that, because we're true ministers, you're true ministers of God. You're true representatives of God. That because of that, then we're without excuse. You didn't face what Paul did. I I never would face what Paul faced. And Paul said, even with all of that going on, we've been beat. We've been misunderstood. We've been without food. We're exhausted. And he said, but still, still what we did, we were patient and we were understanding and we were kind. All of us, none of us are without excuse. Let me read one last verse to you. James chapter three, verse nine and 10 in the message. It says, with our tongues or our mouth, we bless God, our father. And with the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. Notice this. He said, we use our mouth to bless God. That's the highest use of words. You hear me? The highest use of our words is to bless God. He said, and with the same mouth, we curse people. Look at me. That's the lowest form, the lowest use of our words. And I want you to know this. And he says, and those people we curse, and this is why you shouldn't do it, are made in the image of God. They're made in the image of God. How dare any of us curse, speak doom, gloom, hate, evil over anybody. Let's use our mouth. And notice what he said. We're using the same mouth to bless God and to curse people. I shared this in one of the services last week. I think it was the 11 o'clock service. For blessing and cursing to be coming out of the same mouth will be the same if you went to the convenience store and out of the same nozzle, they're serving up gasoline or slurpees. You with me? And so you either pull up or bring your cup. It's just not right. How many of you know that as soon as somebody found that out, that would get reported? Okay. That's just not right. It tastes good. Got a little bit of low lead there going on. You know, know, we want to make sure that out of the same mouth, we are speaking blessing to God, not speaking curse to other people. They're made in the image of God. And the image has been distorted, not just by sin, but so often by words. Let's make sure that we're helping to restore the image of God in people. Look at me and listen. You is smart. And you is kind. And you is important. And we're loved by God. Now, for our faith, our religion, for our efforts to ever amount to 
anything at all, to have any kind of impact, to have any kind of substance. Before faith is really going to be a factor, we've got to make sure that how we use our words with the people around us as containers are carrying kindness, which is the result of love. And you get those things in place, I'll tell you what, we're going to have a much better chance with our faith being powerful. Amen? I'm going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? All right. Good deal.